Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. Hi, I'm David Gustina. Back with us is Ed Cox, chairman of the New York State Republican Committee, a great sparring partner on this program. Welcome back, Chairman Cox. <laughs> David, good to be back. I want to start by perhaps giving you a little bit of a softball question, but I also, by having you on the show, I wanted to respond to you directly. I got a note from Lee Zeldin inviting me to the NYGOP's 2023 Hanukkah and Christmas party, Tuesday, December 12th. You've got some folks gathering, and that leads me to the question of raising money. Isn't that one of the toughest things that you need to do as chair of the Republican committee? Oh, of course. Uh, you you need the funds uh, for any political reason, and we, like any other political organization, are within the laws of the state of New York raising money. And it's Manhattan. I, I assume it it's, looks like it's at an apartment or a home right now. You see a lot of times they rent halls, yeah. they invite thousands yeah, of dollars for a table, but this seems it, like a it, smaller it, gathering. No, it will be at the home of our national committee woman. She's being very generous in doing that. And this is uh, basically a, a lower dollar event in which uh, we are going to uh, thank people who supported the party for supporting us. Just in general, though, Ed Cox, chair of the New York State Republican Party, is there a problem in our politics when it comes to money? Look, uh, who else who said way back money is the mother's milk of politics? It has been and it always will be. I mean, candidates need funds to finance their campaigns. Parties need funds in order to take their ideas to the people and uh, decide whether the people accept their ideas, what they stand for or not. You need to get your point across. But the way the system works, you have low-dollar matching funds now, so the low-dollar donors can have a huge impact. Take a look at Donald Trump's present funding of his defense with respect to the actions against him. He's defending it mostly with low-dollar donors who appreciate it. High-dollar donors can also participate in their way, but it's often through independent expenditures that are much less effective than direct contributions to candidates. So funding is, is not just a few people who might have a lot of influence in. They don't. Either they support what the candidate stands for, or they don't. If they don't, they'll go on to another candidate that has ideas. In the end, the voters decide, and that's the bottom line. Speaking of how voters decide, we've seen this in New York City, and we're hearing more and more states considering it, and that's ranked choice voting, you know, where you pick choices in the order that you like them. What do you make of that system? Do you like that idea? I haven't really sorted it out. I've seen it work here in New York City, and it worked just fine. But it gets a little bit complicated for some voters. Most voters just have a very difficult time deciding upon candidates and what they stand for. And there's so many different means of communication, getting the ideas out there to work through them. Ranked choice of voting, where, well, who are you for first, who are you for second, who are you for third? 
It may be a little bit too complicated. On the other hand, I have seen it work here in New York City. So uh, it is worth developing it and see if it continues to work with respect to the ultimate choice of the people winning the elections. Well, let's go to elections now. Big news, of course, after Congressman George Santos was expelled from the House. And now we're seeing, at least on the Democratic side, that Governor Hochul has met with Tom Suozzi, and it looks like the Democrats have decided he will run for that seat. Quite a meeting we read about in the New York Times between the governor and Suozzi. And, of course, there you are, Ed Cox, and the Republican side of this. First, your reaction to Santos being expelled, and then, as our former host would say, who do you got? If Santos was expelled, and, you know, by the way, our leadership— voted against it as a matter of principle. There have only been five people to date, he's the sixth, who have been expelled from the House of Representatives. Three, because they were associated with the Confederacy uh, during the Civil War. The other two were actually convicted of crimes. And Santos, innocent until proven guilty, has not yet been convicted. So as a matter of principle, once you do this, it raises a bigger issue. How about other people who have lied about on their resume and actually believe their lies, like Santos did? For example, Mrs. Clinton believed that she was under fire in Bosnia. Senator Blumenthal actually believed that he served in Vietnam, and he didn't. She wasn't under fire in Bosnia. Now, let's go to the President of the United States. He's not one of 435 members of the House of Representatives like Santos. He is the president of the United States, and he actually believes that he comes from a coal mining family, that he was a coal miner himself, that he was a truck driver, that he grew up in a Puerto Rican neighborhood, that he graduated at the top of his class in Syracuse when he was at the bottom. I can go on about the lies that Biden has, President Biden, has said about himself and the way he has falsified his his resume, the way he had to resolve leave a presidential campaign because he plagiarized. He believed that what he was saying was his when actually had been borrowed from uh, another politician. And for corruption, he's Mr. 10% now, it's clear. He has been getting funds for his private accounts from our foreign enemies, from Russia, from China, from foreign countries through his son, Hunter. And that is now clear, and it has shown, and the money was washed through a whole bunch of fake companies that the funds went from one to the one to the other in order to cover up their foreign origin. So if you're talking about some people leaving, being forced to get out of government, it should be the president of the United States as well as Santos. He's Mr. 10 percent. He gets 10 percent of the funds. Because it's his influence that raises those funds that Hunter Biden never did anything for one way or the other. They were sums from foreign governments in order to curry influence with Vice President or President Biden. I would argue that all lying would be bad and that 
we could probably find mitstrews and lying with any politician we reach out to and no, talk to. Sure. However, no, however, no, let me just finish I, this. I, let me, I, I, Ed, 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 let me just ask you. Let me just ask you because I think you're going to like what I'm about yeah. to say. Okay. The issue here is with Santos, George Santos, right? He was elected by the people. And we've seen other politicians, like in Connecticut, for example, and other places we've covered on WAMC, where the same thing has happened. So on one level, I think your argument has some merit that he was elected by the people. He should be voted out by the people. Yes, unless you're convicted of a crime, which was the standard until now. Look, I'm just making a point about the President of the United States. Impeachment process is about to start. That's going to really be talking about his corruption through his family and the corrupt funds that he has raised. So this is all be coming out through the impeachment process in the House of Representatives. He is the president of the United States. He does decide what our foreign policies will be. He does decide how we will defend ourselves. And Lord knows we have enemies now who are in many ways attacking our allies. If you take a look at Iran that has backed Hamas and Hamas, a terrorist organization that went in and brutalized in the most terrible way the people of Israel. And then you find, because of foreign influences and others here, that there is support for that here in the United States. And Elise Stefanik made that quite clear in her questioning of the presence of Harvard and other major universities. There is a number of issues here that are very important to the country that have to be addressed. Now let's get back to New York, because that's what we have to talk about. You have a race, a congressional seat open. What's going on with the Republican Party? Who do they want to see run for that seat? <laughs> I appreciate your t We have a superb county organization led by Chairman Joe Cairo in Nassau. I don't know if you noticed that the cover of Newsday announcing the results of the November 7th election, the cover, Newsday painted it red. And that's a big it switch again for Long Island. Big switch. Huge, huge. For the first time in 40 years, the Republican Party controls all the countywide, town, cities uh, 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 in Nassau County and also in Suffolk County. It's quite extraordinary particularly since the majority of the voters in those counties have been turning Democratic over a long period of time. And those Democrats and independents are now taking a look and saying, no, no, uh, we don't like the direction that the Democratic-controlled legislature in Albany is going. We don't like the national policies of the Biden administration. And you find that, that they have voted Republican big time in the ultimate suburb, the first suburb uh, in the United States so with Levittown and all that. That is Long Island. Uh, so those victories on Long Island are huge. But we also had great victories on November 7th going up the Hudson Valley and uh, across uh, from the cities of Troy to Utica and down to uh, down to Binghamton. Uh, it is really quite an extraordinary way the Republican Party has won major victories in local elections on November 7th. So you got a name? Anybody? 
that you're thinking of? I see a name here, Maisie Melissa Phillip, which is in Politico today for potential shortlist for Santo. The point I was making is that Chairman Cairo has the votes that are necessary to nominate whomever he deems and his organization deems to be the proper uh, uh, candidate on the Republican side for the third congressional district in the special election, which the governor has called. And uh, he is interviewing, it's between the two dozen, maybe 30 candidates. And he, he has a committee that's going through that process. There is part of that district that is also Queens. So the chairman of the Queens party is participating in it. As uh, Chairman Cairo told me when I was out there, over the weekend, he said that you never know. A candidate may come out of nowhere and say, that's the perfect candidate. There are several candidates who are sort of leaders, you might say, as part of it. But he does want to be sure that everyone gets the proper uh, a treatment, not just like the governor did with, uh, with Swazi uh, and, and just sit down with them, settle their differences, because as you know, Swazi challenged the governor and rather <laughs> said some pretty difficult things about her during sure. their primary process. They and she called him out on it. Yes, but they're not going through the same process that Chairman Cairo is of looking at other candidates and getting a, a sense of who would be the very best candidate and someone who is really extraordinary may pop out who he, who Chairman Cairo did not know. That's why he is such an effective leader. And uh, that's why we're going to win that congressional district back, because Chairman Cairo, together with the chair of the Queen's Party, are working together with a committee to talk to, I think it's up to 30 potential candidates uh, to find who the correct one uh, to put up against the handpicked only candidate, not considering any other one, uh, just saying, oh, Tom Swazi is the right one. Uh, that's not the way this should go about. That's not the way a party should make a decision. They should go through the process of making sure that others who were interested are properly treated. Well, forgive me, but in fairness, you don't have a lot of time. I mean, the special election is February 13th, and it seems to me in the past it was the Republicans that were always in lockstep on who they were going to put out for a candidate, and the Democrats were humping and fumping around saying, well, we'll consider a number of people and we'll let you know. When are we going to know? You're talking about February, and if you spend a few more days making sure that you you have a unified party and that uh, people who may be disappointed feel that they're properly treated and they pitch in the campaign. Then you have a unified party going forward. That's why at the moment we own every office, the Republican Party in Nassau County. This is for the inside ball, even North Hempstead. Not only do we have the supervisor, we have the town council. That is extraordinary. So there's a tremendous Republican infrastructure there, and you want to be sure that that infrastructure pulls together to support the candidate who will best suit the 3rd District of New York. And depending on who it is, right, it will mean how much name recognition do they have. So you're, I assume you're committed to spending the funds <laughs> David, to, to David, get them known. This is going to be... These special elections, it will be a national election. The national media will be focused on name recognition will not be a problem. 
So, Ed Cox, that's not the only seat we're talking about either, right? You've got the congressman from western New York, Brian Higgins, who announced he's going to leave. That's a Democrat from the 26th district. And that means the Republicans have even more decisions to make. <laughs> uh, and so do the Democrats. Uh, that's, uh, that's part of our process here. But the fact is that Republicans now have 11 seats in the House of Representatives, a record number. Uh, and uh, that is what, how we made our majority. And we made it because the Democrats, uh, way back when, uh, tried to gerrymander uh, the Republicans. They stuffed all the Republicans in only four seats. The Brennan Center says we would have had only four seats if that gerrymander stood. Well, we challenged it. Our team challenged it. And uh, we won in the Court of Appeals. And we, uh, and uh, they appointed a special master who redrew all the districts fairly. The Brennan Center says we have more competitive districts than any other uh, major state, which is good. Competitive competition is good in politics. Competition with ideas. Competition with good candidates. And we had good candidates. We had the better ideas. And in that competition, we won 11 seats, and that's the majority in the House of Representatives. Now, with Higgins, that is a very Democratic seat. It's going to be hard for us to win that. It'd be terrific if we did. I'm sure that we are going to put forward a good candidate in order to contest that special election, and we will see what happens in that part of western New York. Yeah, and that redistricting is all important, especially when it comes to the Jamal Bowman seat. That's the 16th congressional district where we just learned that George Latimer, the county executive in Westchester, has announced he's going to run, and he says no matter what happens with the gerrymander, he's going to run, and that could mean it wouldn't be so advantageous to him if the district changes a bit and shifts Bowman could do well. The, of course, issue that you brought up before is that, at least you hinted at it, is that there's a a big divide right now between the more centrist Democrats in New York and the more progressive party, which has been clashing. And in fact, Latimer said part of the reason he's running is because of their perspective on the Israel-Hamas war. Well, I do not think the districts will be redone. We could not have better and more competitive districts than we have now, which is good. There, the as you know, the highest court in New York State, the Court of Appeals, is now considering considering whether we should go through a whole process to redistrict, to redo the districts. The way they have done that, the way they have corrupted our highest court, you've seen the process today, uh, by which it was done, where the supermajority of Democrats in the Senate have imposed their will on the governor to who the chief judge should be. And the chief judge then got a second vote when he broke precedent to appoint who he wanted to appoint to, uh, to replace a judge who accused herself. So, uh, and the whole process has been called by the Times Union a cloud on the highest court in New York. Newsday has said that the Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York State, is on a path to ruin. And you're talking about the Court of Appeals, which was the most prestigious common law courts in the United States, which is very important for New York as a as the center of international commerce, and often our law is used by an international transaction to end up here being decided, and that's part of our being the financial center of the world, and it has been corrupted. 
by the Democrat supermajority, particularly in the Senate. So that's where we start. Uh, we will be fighting to make sure, regardless, we as Republicans will be fighting to make sure the integrity of our judicial process and of our election process here and that the Democrats do not re-gerrymander the seats as you assumed might happen with Jamal Bowman's seat. Now, with respect to Jamal Bowman, this is a guy who tried to interrupt the, the, what was going on in the House of Representatives <laughs> by pulling a fire alarm. He did. I mean, and there's no doubt about it, what he was doing. Uh, and I suspect that he will be, for his actions there, crazy actions, that he will be having problems in his primary with uh, Mr. Latimer. Well, I want to, since we're almost out of time, get to this because, believe it or not, Ed, when you're on the program, we get letters. People write to me. <laughs> what happened? To, what happened to email? <laughs> well, it is an email. Yeah, I mean, you're okay. right. You're right. Yeah, it was an email. Right. Okay, and it uh, came from. Okay, here it is. It came from JD from Diamond Point, New York. And he wrote to me a while back, but he heard you on the program, and we were talking about bail reform and crime and violent crime and gun violence. And he wrote to me and he said, listen to this, Ed. Why let him get away with such mischaracterizations? New York does not have higher crime than other states. And he sent me a list of states and territories and the violent crime rate. And since then, I've seen some other stories coming out, more local involved, of how we're seeing some of that crime drop. So how would you answer J.D.? They are right. There are some places like Chicago and some play, uh, other places where crime is worse, the murder rate is worse. Uh, but in general, crime here, and particularly in the cities of New York State, is higher than it has been before COVID and before the actions of the Biden administration, which with respect to the open southern border and with respect to the changes that have been made by the Democrats who control Albany with respect to our laws. And particularly with the cashless bail process, we unfortunately are the only state in the United States where a judge cannot take consideration of whether or not someone who's been arrested should be released on his recognizance or in the bail, whether or not that person is dangerous to society. We just can't do that in New York State. We are the only state where the judges cannot consider whether someone who they might release from an arrest because they are dangerous. And then you take a look at the changes, and this is getting into the weeds about how DAs work, but the fact uh, that the requirements put on the different instance, something that is related to a crime has to be released right away to the defense. That puts witnesses at risk if it is a serious crime. You find, and I was talking to some police officers here in New York, you find there are criminals who go in and wipe out a whole store. They are taken. Uh, if they are arrested, they go in court. They're immediately released. There's no doubt that the level of crime generally has gone up in New York State because of what the Democrats in the legislature have been doing with respect to being soft on crime. 
Well, in that in the weeds place you went was talking about discovery, that the you district attorney exactly. has to give all the discovery evidence over to the defendant. Right away, right even away. if it's not relevant. If it just ha- And if you don't release something that is related to, even though it's not really relevant, then the case is dismissed. And yeah. the criminal goes free. And we've heard a lot of that here in the Albany area from the district attorney, David Soros, who is a Democrat. And that's extraordinary. He was elected by Soros money way back when. And he defeated uh, Mr. Klein, who was a very good DA because of that Soros money went behind him. And now he's looked at what's happening in his neighborhood and the way crime has gone up. And he has one to go out and testify about it before the legislature. The legislature won't let him testify. <laughs> uh, and he has seen the light. The way uh, the laws have changed have really increased the crime, particularly in his minority neighborhood. And yet the legislature won't listen to him. Well, Ed, this is the problem, really, isn't it, in politics? We won't listen to each other. We've got such a divided party system now. Republicans and Democrats don't just disagree with each other. They seem to almost hate each other. And I'm wondering, in your experience, uh, I, I, I know— I would, I, would, I would say that in New York here. Well, who do, well tell me, who, who, is a, who are some Democrats that you respect in New York? Well, let me just say how we have worked. Governor Hochul wanted her nominee, very prominent Hispanic, presiding justice of the second department, not to be mixed by a rigged judiciary committee of the Senate. That's it. Committee decided we reject your nomination. She wanted that candidate to go to the floor. Guess who did the litigation to make sure, because he thought it was the right thing to do, that the full Senate had to vote under the advice and consent clause in our state constitution. We Republicans did that. For some reason, she wanted to do it. She kept saying, it's got to go, it's got to go. We said, okay, we'll do it because we agreed with that. And later, I ran into her. She thanked me for doing that. And Senator Palumbo, the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, was appointed, and the judge very quickly decided, yeah, the state will have to go to the floor. So she thanked me. And then she said, you know, I think we can work together on things. And in fact, she has worked together with the minority leader, who is also from Western New York, with respect to charter schools. She has supported charter schools. We're for charter schools. Uh, We need, Lord knows, we need reform of our education system and our outstanding charter schools, which I was involved in the author setting up the authorization process at SUNY and authorizing them for 10 years. We have an extraordinary system. The Democrats are against it. The governor's for it. We're working with the governor in order to make sure that our system remains an outstanding system of charter schools. All right. Start writing your letters, listeners. I know I'm going to get them over the charter school thing. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We have talked about that argument in the past. He is Ed Cox, chair of the Republican State Committee in New York State. And it's always a pleasure to have you on this program. And in the interest of conversation, I hope that you will come back and join me again in the future. It's always a pleasure to be on and with your predecessor. You know, there is a tradition in this, David, that I appreciate very much. Let's keep that tradition going. My pleasure. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for The Capital Connection comes from 
New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.